0: You're listening to Expat Property Story, a podcast in which I share my story to smooth the way for you to have your own Expat Property Story. Hello there. Welcome to the second part of our three-part special telling the true story of how we made £126,000 in two mad days in November 2022 as we practiced what Warren Buffett preaches, namely, to be greedy when others are fearful. You'll remember that this was not long after the disastrous mini-budget in late September 2022, which sent interest rates soaring in the UK property market into temporary freefall. Before we pick up from where we left off in the previous episode, I'd just like to point you in the direction of our new website at www.expatpropertystory.com, which has details of our portfolio, pictures of our properties, and the chance to sign up to our mailing list, at which point you'll receive our free 23-step guide to buying property at auction. And there's an extra incentive to join the mailing list, which will not only give you access to our monthly newsletter featuring links to UK property news relating to expats and remote investors, but also the chance to win a free copy of Building Your Dream Life, How Property Can Help You Quit the Rat Race, by Bronwyn Verncombe, our guest from episode 14. We're putting the names of all our mailing list subscribers into a hat and the first five lucky names out of the hat will receive a free copy of Bronwyn's book. If you live in the UK, Bronwyn has kindly offered to post a hard copy for free. You won't even have to pay for postage. And if you're an expat, she'll send you a PDF. All you have to do is subscribe to our mailing list at www.expatpropertystory.com and leave a review for Bronwyn's book on Amazon. So, What are you waiting for? Press pause and click subscribe in the top right-hand corner of the website where it unsurprisingly says, subscribe. If you've stumbled across this podcast for the first time, this episode, number 78, will make more sense if you go back to episode 77 for part one. But as a brief recap, my wife and I made a post-auction offer on a three-bed semi in Lancashire, which was accepted by the auctioneer, but subsequently rejected by the vendor who was a large property fund looking to raise millions of pounds by selling off about 15 to 20 properties to prove how liquid they could be to finance types in the city. The next day was a Friday and the same company subsequently removed their properties from this particular auction house and was offering them at discount prices via an intermediary at a hastily convened online meeting of the Auction Buyers Club at 2pm UK time. At the meeting, I had agreed to buy a three-bed semi in Nottingham for £150,000. It was now 4pm on Friday. I ran the property past my broker. Now as I've mentioned before on here, a good broker will look for problems in order to protect their clients from themselves and my broker immediately raised some red flags. In addition to what rent it would achieve as a standard buy-to-let, he wanted to know why it was so cheap, why there was pressure for an early exchange and had my solicitor undertaken searches, especially a mining report, because it was in an area of historical mining. Now when you are presented with an opportunity like this, there are bound to be risks. Although the information available was limited, this often happens, for example when buying property from a housing association or a council, who routinely sell properties without being able to provide all the information a buyer might expect on the open market buyers had to be comfortable with going ahead with the purchase without a full legal pack or without being able to visit the property or arrange searches via their solicitors or even have much in the way of photos. But the associated risks attached to the purchase were factored into the price and I was happy to take the risk based on the credibility of the people in my network and the inside information provided by the person who alerted us to the deals. So, I arranged a mining report online through gov.uk, who have a page where you type in the address and it tells you if there are mining issues. Using the title plan, which you can download from the land registry for three pounds, you draw the boundaries around the property yourself. So my one said yes, there were potential mining issues. Gov.uk then offers a whole load of searches. I ordered three reports, one for ground stability, one for coal mining, and an all-in-one environmental report. In retrospect, I could perhaps have just ordered the all-in-one environmental report first, as the mining report was exactly the same. The whole lot cost £211 and came back indicating that there was nothing that would prevent me or anyone else from getting lending then or at any point in the future. Having a good conveyancing solicitor who is comfortable with this kind of purchase is also important. I have to say that I had struggled with this part of my power team. I'd had some that were okay, some that were not okay and some that were average, but what I really needed was a long-term solicitor who would perhaps do me the odd favour in terms of speed, or going the extra mile. But finding a good one had been a challenge, particularly given that when I'd first resolved to plug this gap in my power team, it was May 2022, which you'll remember as a time when the market was somewhat overheated. When you're buying properties on the open market via a mortgage, your choice of solicitor can be largely determined by which solicitors are on your lender's panel. But I was planning to buy at auction, which excluded traditional lending. So, ideally, I would need someone who could look over a legal pack at relatively short notice and at a reasonable cost that would be deducted from the subsequent conveyancing costs if I went ahead and purchased, but not if I didn't. At the time, I wasn't sure whether I would be buying commercial or residential or even mixed-use buildings, so expertise in all three areas would be even better. After interviewing one of my first guests, Helen gobbold ead all the way back in episode 7, the seed of an idea had been planted in my head. Helen runs a consultancy firm called Light Clockwork, but unlike many in the property business, she believes in being paid by the hour rather than by commission. This is what she said.
1: I charge my clients an hourly rate. So they're paying for my time and expertise. And that's on a pay as you go, use me when you need me basis. So I'm not tying the clients in. Sadly, the property investment sector in this country is riddled with this whole commission structure. When you buy a new build property, there's goodness knows how many layers of commissions and introduces fees and referral fees that are paid. I've been told by several people in, in the sector that I'm crazy to work on an hourly rate basis and I should be charging commissions when I introduce somebody. I should be asking for referral fees. I don't work like that and it's nice to be working differently to anyone else. If I recommend an investor to, say, a mortgage broker, I don't get a referral fee or an introducer fee from that mortgage broker. I'll recommend somebody based on merit, and that's it. The only thing I would ever accept back from that mortgage broker is a reciprocal referral, and it would be fantastic if the property sector worked more on that basis. Um, I've been stung by that myself. I asked a fellow investor uh, for, for a recommendation to a mortgage broker. And he gave me a name and said, this person's fantastic. It was the worst mortgage broker I have ever come across. And I ended up doing, organizing the mortgage myself. Wow. And I found when I went back to this particular investor with my feedback, he said, oh, it's a shame. He said, I've I've given loads of referrals. And he told me how much he got for each referral. So it wasn't based on merit. So I made the rule right there and then that like clockwork wouldn't give referrals for money or recommendations for money we do it based on merit and we don't accept fees so the only revenue we have is our clients paying for our time and expertise and that way the client's certain that they're getting impartiality and and i enjoy it so
0: after establishing how many hours work she would need to carry out the research helen set about headhunting solicitors for me Because commercial and residential conveyancing are so different, she warned me that I would likely require two solicitors as neither would be a specialist in both, although she did say that it may be possible to find two specialists within one firm. A week or so later, Helen came back saying that her initial batch of potential solicitors and or firms were all declining new clients at that time. As I say, this was May 2022 when a mixture of the stamp duty holiday pent-up demand during COVID lockdown, supply and demand issues and perhaps a rush for existing owners stroke investors to remortgage before interest rates potentially increased had all contributed to an overheated property market and, as a result, conveyancing solicitors and firms were overwhelmed with demand. On top of this, the backlog at the land registry was getting bigger and demand for solicitors was rising, leading to excessive workloads, delays and in many cases, a decrease in the quality of the conveyancing provided. As a result, the good firms were able to cherry-pick not only their clients, but the type of work they took on as well. Firms who usually provided legal pack reviews had withdrawn that service, as it required a tighter timescale than regular conveyancing. Firms were able to pick the easiest clients and projects with little consideration for future work. In short, most firms were not in the slightest bit interested in building a long-term relationship with poor old me. This would of course change once the property market calmed down, at which point solicitors would be vying to win business. Helen recommended sticking to my aim of building a long-term relationship with one conveyancing firm, but to adjust my expectation as far as timing went. She also drew my attention to the growth of conveyancing conveyor belts in the last few years. These are large firms of licensed conveyancers often headed up by a solicitor with a team of between 30 and 100 licensed conveyancers or conveyancing paralegals working under them. The quality of service and customer service from these types of companies is often very poor and a reflection of the fees charged as those huge companies engage in a race to the bottom of fee quotes. Helen told me that she had rescued a number of investors from desperate situations caused by failing companies who go bust, close their doors and subsequently reopen under a new name. She told me that she could name 10 such firms who have gone into liquidation as a result of poor service and complaints but they've started up again the following day under a new name. Despite all of this the following week Helen came back to me with a choice of four different firms and clear indications of what each one could provide. Some did residential only, while others had separate specialists for residential and commercial under the same umbrella, but could not promise to review a legal pack within 48 hours. Armed with my paid-for information, I contacted all the solicitors on the list to see how quickly they responded. I then followed up on the two quickest and asked about their typical fees and whether they'd be willing to offer a cheap price for a legal pack review on the understanding that they would get the conveyancing work for a successful auction purchase. In the end, I opted for the cheaper of the two options as I was confident in Helen's research, so I told the winning solicitor that they had been recommended by Helen and we were happy to proceed, but there was nothing to do until I was ready to buy. If you were listening to this podcast during our auction season from episodes 35 to 53, you'll know that we set ourselves a challenge to buy a UK property at auction within four months without leaving our home from here in Hong Kong, and that we achieved this with two weeks to spare at a time that definitely favoured sellers rather than buyers. We bought a block of four flats in a market town in Derbyshire. We bought this property pre-auction, and although it took the vendor a while to get his act together and accept our offer, when he finally did, we had to exchange that day, as a pre-auction purchase usually operates under the same terms and conditions as would apply at a live auction. Unfortunately, my new solicitor was unable to look over the legal pack at short notice, which is completely understandable, because at that stage, we had no working relationship. Fortunately, my friends Jay and Piot from the Auction Buyers Club were able to review the legal pack with me to ensure that the purchase went through, and my new solicitor carried out the rest of the conveyancing and completion took place a month later. So, by the time this new purchase came around, we had at least now worked together for one project. There's a lot of time wasters in property, and in life in general, I guess, and we've all probably been on both sides of the coin, I've definitely got cold feet at the prospect of working with some people, and from their perspective, I've wasted their time. Equally, I've found that once you have collaborated with someone, you get quicker responses to emails and messages and calls once you've proved to each other that you're worthy of the other person's attention. So I guess this is how it was with my new solicitor in mid-November when all these deals came up. The prerequisite for a successful purchase with these deals was that completion must take place by December the 14th, and as it was now late Friday afternoon, exchange of contracts would need to take place on the Monday. So this is not something that every solicitor would be comfortable with, as there would be no time for searches. However, as I say, we now had an albeit limited history of working together for the block of flats in Derbyshire, and on the Monday. We managed to exchange contracts and, based on the home track report I talked about in the last episode, we were £60,000 better off. The following day, Tuesday, after getting back from work, I got a message from our intermediary for these deals. He wanted to talk about the three-bed semi in Lancashire that I'd agreed to buy at £125,000 the previous week before the auctioneer had come back asking for hundred and twenty-eight pounds and in a tit-for-tat-I'll-show-you move, I'd subsequently lowered my offer to 123000 not expecting for a minute that it would be accepted. My contact told me that the property was still available but off-market rather than through the auctioneer, so the buyer's premium and other costs that I would have had to have paid had my initial offer of 125k gone through would not apply. Again, I ordered a home track report which came back with an estimated capital value of £194,000 which represented a £66,000 discount. The level of confidence was medium and so, buoyed by the purchase of the Nottingham property the day before, we went ahead and agreed to buy our second property in two days. The property would be bought under the same terms as the Nottingham one so completion would need to take place on or before the 14th of December. And to secure the deal, we would need to exchange that day. We had just six hours to exchange. So the first thing I did was phone my solicitor, with whom I now had a track record of two successful deals. When I got through, they told me that she was working from home that day. I explained that I had agreed to buy another property, and could they alert her to the fact that I would send her an email, and could she respond as quickly as possible? She came back to me almost immediately saying that she had a couple of things to attend to but would try her best to get it done. One of the many benefits of the Auction Buyers Club is that Jay and Piot are there to lend their hands when they're most needed to help get a deal over the line. They had no skin in the game so to speak and Jay has a semi-legal background and has reviewed thousands of legal packs in his time and he generously offered to set up a Zoom and together we reviewed the legal pack. The property was being sold with a tenant in situ And the legal pack was what auction insiders describe as clean. It contained the gas safety certificate, the EICR, and even the tenancy agreement, which was a bonus given the huge discount. Not long after, my solicitor emailed to ask if I was aware that the property was tenanted. I replied saying that I was and that I had reviewed the legal pack with someone that I trusted and that I was happy to proceed on this basis. Now, as you know, it takes two solicitors to tango and to exchange contracts on a property purchase requires some pretty nifty footwork on both sides, which was how it transpired. Both solicitors had worked on the Nottingham purchase 24 hours previously, so there was already a history of working together and an element of trust which probably helped keep things moving. The only thing that slowed things down and nearly scuppered the deal was caused by me. Two differently named files once opened turned out to be the same, so I had failed to send one essential document. Fortunately, I was continually checking my emails, but it was now 4.30 and the deadline was 5pm. I rectified my mistake and had a nervous 30 minute wait before receiving confirmation that contracts had been exchanged with minutes to spare. So we had now done two deals on consecutive days from the other side of the world without even taking the day off work. come back after the weekend for the third and final instalment of this three-part special in which I'll explain how we financed the deals, our plans for the properties and the lessons we learned from two mad days in the middle of November 2022. And as a final reminder, if you want a copy of Bronwyn's book, Building Your Dream Life, How Property Can Help You Quit the Rat Race, then sign up for our mailing list at www.expatpropertystory.com. And if there's anyone you can think of who might like to find out more about this podcast, then share the show to spread the word. You've been listening to Expat Property Story.